0: All right, all right, all right. Well, open up your Bibles if you have them to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be back in our series, Parables of the Kingdom. Parables of the Kingdom. These are stories that Jesus told to illustrate truth about how his kingdom operates and it shatters challenges our previously held, long held, sacred beliefs, our uh, misconceptions, our expectations about how he works. These parables are meant to shatter those, challenge those, and reorient our hearts. Um, Matthew 25 is where we're going to be. We're going to be talking about investments today. Anybody here ever make a bad investment? You invested in something and you later realize, what the heck did I do? All that money, all that time could be something big. I bought a condo when I was 23 years old in 2005. I bought a condo for 210,000 in LA. It appraised for 290 after 1 year. I wanted to sell it, nobody offered me 290. I was like, take it off the market. I'll wait another year. It'll be up to 350 by then. Well, if you know what happened, you remember the history, the bubble burst, and I lost money. It went down to 89,000. I had a short sale that puppy. I could have made money, but I was a little greedy and I didn't, that was, a, that was an investment I was kicking myself for. Anybody else have one of those in their history? How about small things? I mean, when I talk about investment, I'm talking about any time we put money or time into something, we are expecting some degree of of happiness to come out of it, some degree of delight, pleasure, fulfillment, right? It could be buying a cup of coffee from a new coffee shop, right? In the morning, you drive to that new coffee shop, you're like, oh, this is going to be my morning coffee from that new place. And then it's a bad cup of coffee. You're like, man. And if you're a coffee snob, when you're disappointed with your coffee in the morning, it can throw off your whole day. Man, that, two, $3, that time I was waiting in line. I can't go back. Now I got to order from Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts is nothing, right? You ever have one of those? Or maybe you, you spend money to go see a b- movie and you're just like, man, two and a half hours. That was the dumbest movie I've ever seen. So anytime we spend money, anytime we put our time into something, we are expecting an ROI. And sometimes we don't get it. And advertisers know this, so they, you know, they're always trying to sell us on the newest toy for our kids, latest upgrade to our iPhone, a boat, car, right? Telling us we need new of this, new of that, retirement fund, invest here, get this property there. And oftentimes we fall for it and we're let down. Well, in this parable that we're going to look at today, Jesus is talking to us about investing. He wants us to be glad, happy. Fulfilled in the long run with how we invested our resources. In the context here, we're going to be in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. In the context here of Matthew 24, 25, he's talking about his return. Well, first of all, he's talking about him leaving them. He's, he's saying, I'm, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to balance. I'm going to heaven. But I'm coming back. And he's saying, This is how I want you guys to live in the meantime. This is how I want you to invest in the meantime so that when I return, you are happy with how you invested your time and your resources. That's what this parable is going to be about. And here's my hope for after this sermon. Here's my hope for after this message. Here's my hope, is that when we're done, that we are going to be a little bothered, a little ruffled, a little concerned even with all the stuff that we have. You know how you lie awake sometimes at night and you're worried about what you don't have? How am I going to get this? How am I going to get that? And sometimes you compare yourself with other people. Why don't I have what they have? It's not fair. You feel jealous. You feel a little anxious about what you don't have. Well, I want us to have the opposite. I want us to be more concerned and spend more time praying and maybe even lose more sleep over all that we do have and be lying awake going, Lord, you've given me so much. You've blessed me with so much. What do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to invest it in light of your coming advent your return your your second coming how do you want me to invest it you've given me so much compared to the next guy you've given me these gifts and abilities you've given me these resources you've given me this wealth you've given me this home this job how do you want me to invest it that's what I'm hoping for at the end Scott and Camille prayed so we're believing that God's going to answer he's going to speak so Matthew 25 we're going to start in verse 14 here we go Mr. Chris Walters is on the slides today. Thank you, Mr. Chris. Second service, give it up for Chris back there. Two services in a row, operating those slides. I know others of you have been serving two services in a row. We're not celebrating you today. We're gonna test how easily offended you are. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey. What will be like? Well, the kingdom of heaven, if you go back up to verse 1 of chapter 25, you see it. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Back in verse tw- uh, 1 of this chapter, he, he, he tells another parable. Um, we're not covering that one in this series. But right after he's done with that parable, he launches into this one. So it's the same idea. For it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey. Now the kingdom of heaven, if you have been with us, we've been saying is not about heaven. It's not heaven. He's not talking about heaven. It includes heaven. It's not talking about the church, although it includes the church. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven refers to the reign and rule of God. This is how God reigns and rules. He rules and reigns from heaven, right? But kingdom of heaven is breaking in, Jesus said. It's here now. He wants us to understand it. And he says, it's like a man going on a journey. And because he's talking in the context about his, his return, him leaving them and then coming back, that man going on a journey is him. He represents Jesus. Let's keep going. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. This was typical of in ancient times. A wealthy guy's going away. He calls his servants and he says, here, here's my wealth, here's my property, here's my money, invest it for my kingdom, invest it for my estate, make me some money, I'm coming back, I wanna find out what you did, I wanna see the spreadsheets. Similarly, Jesus goes away, but he gives his spirit to the church, and he tells us, we see this in the book of Acts, go, make disciples, go, advance my kingdom, here's my mission, care for it. I'm entrusting my mission to you, I'm entrusting my kingdom to you, go. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. So he didn't give each of them an even amount of of talent. Now talent referred to it was a unit of weight. It was, um, depending on whether it was gold or silver or any other kind of precious gem, uh, it could have been a different amount. But a talent, um, either way, was a significant amount of money. Some have estimated that it's about 16 to 20 years worth of a salary for an average worker, 16 to 20 years worth. So for him to have eight talents to distribute, that's a lot. This brother was wealthy, okay? He was a wealthy dude and he distributed his wealth unevenly amongst his servants according to their ability because they had different abilities. Some of them knew how to work the stock market. Some of them knew how to invest in real estate. Some of them could only probably start a lemonade stand and make some money that way. So he gave them different amounts, right? And likewise, Jesus distributes different resources to each of us. My family might bring in more income than some of you. He might bring in less income than others of you. All of us bring in more income than the majority of Christians around the world. He distributes unevenly. And he gives us different abilities too. Different skills... Different abilities, different spiritual gifts. If you trust in Jesus, you're given spiritual gifts. Some teaching, some leading, some administration, some some, uh, exhorting, different gifts and to to use in combination with those resources. So we shouldn't get jealous of each other because they're all gifts from God given to us in different ways, but they're all to be used for the master's kingdom. They're all to be invested in. Into Master Jesus, who goes away and is coming back, and he wants us to invest it in his kingdom. Let's keep going. Verse 16. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. Verse 18. But, okay, this is big time. Look at that contrast. But there's a difference here. He who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. He didn't invest it. He just stuck it under a mattress, right? Just hid it. He played it safe. He didn't want to risk anything, didn't want to step out of there, didn't want to put in too much work. Verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So the master shows back up and he's like, all right, fellas, Step into my office. I want to see the presentation. I want to see the spreadsheets. I I want to see the profit and loss. I want to see where I'm at. What did you do? How did you make me money? Let's see it. And verse 20, first guy steps forward, the guy who had five talents. He came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. I doubled your money. Here you go. I invested it for your kingdom, and this is your money. He, he knows it's the master's money. Verse 21, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So the master applauds his faithfulness. You've been faithful. You've made me money. And now I'm going to put you in charge of more in my kingdom. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, because this is symbolic and represents Jesus' imminent return, this represents his kingdom being established on earth in its fullest. Okay? So his kingdom is here now, but it is still yet to come. When he rose from the dead, that was the beginning of his kingdom breaking in, and he entrusts it with us to advance his kingdom. But when he returns, he's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth together, Heaven is not our final destination. Our final destination for those who belong to Jesus is a new heaven and a new earth, a new creation where we get to reign and rule with him. We're called co-heirs of that inheritance. And so for those who are faithful to invest now for his kingdom, on that day, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You're going to reign with me. You're going to put in charge of more. You're going to enjoy my kingdom. Let's keep going. Verse 22 And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much and to the joy of your master. He says the same thing to the guy who only made him two talents. He says the same thing. Why? Because it wasn't about the results. It was about the faithfulness. It wasn't about the results, it wasn't about everybody doing what the five-talent guy could do because not everybody could do that. The two-talent guy only had two talents to work with, and he had a completely different set of abilities. We don't know what they were. But he had a different set of abilities, so God did not expect him, his master did not expect him to do what the five-talent guy could do. And likewise, God doesn't expect you and I to do what the next guy could do. Some of us make 20 grand, some of us might make 500 grand a year. God doesn't ask the 20 grand guy to make and have the same results as the 500 grand guy, but he does ask us to be faithful. He does ask us to be faithful, and if we're just sitting there going, well, I don't make 500 grand, so there's nothing I can do, God's like, no, 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 you can be be faithful. Billy Graham was given a big platform to preach the gospel to masses of people around the world. (laughs) He didn't give me that platform, but he does ask me as a preacher to be faithful. Maybe you're not a preacher or a pastor or anything like that and you might be tempted to think, well it's not my job to open my mouth and to talk about Jesus and no no no, God's given you a platform. He's given you influence. He's given you a circle of people around you. I don't know who they are. I don't know how wide that circle goes, but it's a circle and he's called you to be faithful with it. In fact, I want to take a time out right now cuz you might be wondering, what does it mean to invest in God's kingdom? What does it look like when Jesus returns? What, what does he want to see a return on investment with? You know, because we could talk all day about that. Uh, but there's two things that I want to point out. So we're going to take a time out from the parable. And we're going to look at two things that Jesus in this section of Matthew is very explicit about. When it comes to investing for his kingdom. There's two things. Flip back to Matthew 24. Go to verse 14 and circle it or highlight it if you got a Bible app. Look at what it says. And the gospel, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. This gospel, this gospel means good news, of the kingdom, of Jesus' kingdom. But he's ushering in because of his life, death, and resurrection, he paid for it will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Jesus wants his good news to be proclaimed to all people so that they all have a chance to hear about it. He wants them all to have a chance to either accept him as savior or reject him, but he wants them to have a chance. He wants your neighbor who has never heard that good news and maybe maybe they have this distorted idea of what it means to be a Christian. He wants that neighbor to hear that good news. And he wants that tribe in that far part of the world to hear that good news. And he wants the people who are living in Syria to hear that good news. That's one thing that he wants us to invest our resources into according to our abilities. Some of us are going to be called to be missionaries and go to the farthest parts of the world. Some of us are going to be called to give money, lots of it, to the sending of missionaries different abilities, different resources, but for the same mission. So that's one thing, the proclamation of his kingdom, of his good news, of his life, death, and resurrection. That's one thing. Second thing I want to show you is back to Matthew 25. If you flip back over, scroll back over, it comes after this parable. Jesus goes into this thing about sheep and goats. Let's look at it. in Matthew 25, verse 31. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. In other words, you cared for the least of these. You cared for those who had a lack. You didn't just walk past them and say, well, that's the government's job to do that. You took, after, you took care of them. You gave your resources. You closed the, 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 those who needed clothes. You gave food to the hungry. You, 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 you gave water to the thirsty. You helped dig wells. You visited those in prison. You cared for the sick. You, you provided the justice of the kingdom, in other words. You demonstrated the justice of my coming kingdom in this broken world. So those are two things that I see Jesus wanting us to invest in. The proclamation of his kingdom and the demonstration of the justice of his kingdom. Both of those I see are important to the master. And when he returns, he wants to know, what'd you do? What'd you do with your resources? What'd you do with the abilities I gave you? So, time in back to the parable. We're gonna pick up back up with verse 24. So two guys came forward with five talents, two talents. Now here's the one talent guy. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. So this guy comes along and he's like, Master, I was afraid. I didn't like how you operate your your kingdom. You you just expect all of everybody else to work for you, and then you come in and you're going to reap from them. I don't really like it. I find it unfair. I find it unjust. So I just buried this. I put it to cash underneath my mattress. Here, you can have it back. That's what he did. He found them to be unfair and unjust, just like we do sometimes with God. Maybe he thought, you know what, you didn't give me five talents like the other guy. That's not fair. What can I do with one talent? There's not much I can do with one talent like we do. What can I do? I'm not rich like so-and-so over there. I don't have the the, the resources so-and-so has. What can I do? Or maybe we use the excuse that, you know what, God, you're sovereign. You you can do whatever you want. You don't need me. You don't need me to, to, to serve you you don't need me to give. You don't need me to risk. You don't need me to sacrifice. You're sovereign. You're in control. You can do whatever you want. If you want to feed the hungry across the world, you'll feed them. If you want my neighbor to hear about you, you'll make them hear about you. You don't need me, right? But this parable is telling us that God's sovereignty does not excuse us from being faithful. God's sovereignty does not excuse us from being faithful. Yes, he's sovereign, in control of all things, and yet he wants us to partner with him. He wants us to partner with him because he's made us his image bearers, number one. And also how faithful we are, what we do with our resources shows whether or not we actually belong to him. What we do with our resources shows whether or not he truly is our Lord, our King, our master or not. It shows if we actually belong to his kingdom in the first place. To be kingdom people is to live lives for the king, advancing his kingdom. That's evidence that we've been impacted by the reign and rule of his kingdom in our hearts, that we've been changed from the inside out, that we are new creations in Christ. That's that's evidence how faithful we are with our resources. God's sovereignty does not excuse us from being faithful. Look at how this guy responds. The master answered him in verse 26, you wicked and slothful servant, slothful, lazy, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. You, you know how I operate. You know how things happen around here. You know how the, my, my kingdom, how I roll with this. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at the coming I should have received what was mine own with interest. You should have at least put it in the bank and got me some interest. In other words, if you knew how I operated, you may not like it, but all the more reason why you should have been faithful because you knew I was coming back and I wanted to see a, I wanted to see a return. And if that's that master, just a normal human being, maybe a little greedy, Jesus is contrasting him. With our good shepherd, Jesus, who's perfect and just and righteous and gracious and full of love for us. And he's returning. How much more should we go, you know what? The way he operates, he wants to see a return on his investment. So w- w- we better be about investing. That's Jesus' point. Or, or else, I mean, here's the bad news. Let's keep going. The master says this in verse 28. Take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Take his one, give it to the guy who made me extra five. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant, whoa, into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jeepers. Jeepers. That's some scary stuff. That's the parts of the Bible that sometimes we don't, we don't want to read, we don't want to think about, we don't want to talk about. We certainly don't want our preachers preaching about anymore. Maybe we grew up in a church where that's all they talked about, so now we don't want to, you know, I want, I want to have a church where they, they don't talk about that at all. I need a break from that for 30 years. But that's here. That's here. Now what's that a reference to? Well, again, the context is Jesus returning. He's going to tell some, you're going to reign and rule with me in the new heavens and new earth. This is the opposite of that. So think what's the opposite of that. You're going to get to be in charge of more and be in my presence on a new heaven and new earth. So this is the opposite of that. This means you're out of my kingdom, not in charge of anything in my kingdom, separated from my presence. The Bible also calls that hell in different places. You're separated from the presence of the master. You might be thinking, man, that sounds so extreme. That sounds so crazy. What? Because he buried his his, his resources? That's, that's why? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I and and, and, and I'm not going to soften this. There's no way to soften it, but maybe just explain it a little bit. It, it's, he, he's not getting kicked out of God's kingdom because he didn't, he, he didn't, you know, measure up. He didn't you know, behave well. You don't get into God's kingdom through your behavior. But your behavior, how you use your resources, is an evidence that you've been changed. As I said before, when we trust in Jesus, his spirit comes, lives in us. We're born again, the Bible says. Don't get freaked out by that phrase. That's what the Bible says. You're just born again by his spirit. You become a new creation. What does that new creation want to do? It wants to produce new fruit. It wants to invest in the kingdom that it's now a part of. So if somebody's burying all their resources and saying, no, 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 what that's showing is you don't want Jesus to be your king. You don't want to live for his kingdom. You've probably never been born again. You've probably never trusted in him. You've probably never asked him to be your Lord and master. So when he returns, he's going to say, listen, this is what you wanted your whole life. You wanted to live apart from my kingdom. You wanted to be your own king. So here's, you're going to get to do that for the rest of your, for eternity. That's what you're going to get. That's what you've chosen. That's the trajectory. So that's what you're going to get. Still sobering stuff. Still sobering stuff. Now I will. I will qualify something. I. I do think you can be a sincere Christ follower, born again, part of His kingdom, belong to Him and go through seasons where you bury your talent, bury your resources and decide, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna live for Jesus. You go through, you're going through a seasons. So I do think that this guy in the story, it was a settled position of, uh-uh, I ain't living for him. And it was a settled position until the master returned the whole time, there was no change of heart. I do think some of us, myself included, I've been there, can go through seasons where it's like, you know what? My house is my house. I need, I need it to be a safe space. I don't want people coming over. I want everybody to leave me alone. My money's my money. I'm tired of giving it away. Right? I think we can go through seasons. I think the difference is in how we know, one way we know if we're truly part of God's kingdom or not, is that the Holy Spirit's going to wake us up when we do that. When we go through those seasons, He's going to wake us up. He's going to use sermons like this. He's going to use friends like the person sitting next to you. He's going to use your life group discussions. He's going to use people to wake you up and go, oh, you're using it for yourself. You're squandering this. This is about you. This is about your glory. This is about your kingdom. Wake up. It's time to use your resources for Jesus' kingdom. And listen, that's going to look different for each of us. That's going to look different for for each of us. There's some, um, I used an example last week, or last service, Um, uh, there's these kind of, cliche things we say, where it's like, you know, hey, if you, if you can sing, then, then this means you sing inside the church. Or if you can act, then you're going to act in the drama ministry in your church. I don't think it necessarily means that. Because sometimes people sing inside the church for their own glory, right? For their own kingdom. You know, it's about me. I want everybody applauding me. And, and you actually might be better off singing out in the world, making a ton of money doing it, and then sending missionaries off to the other most parts of the world and keeping 3% of that money. Right? So it could look different. It could look different. Um, that's not the same. These guys are singing. Don't, don't read into that. That they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Not at all. Um, you can preach for the wrong reasons. Right? Uh, some of you guys might be better preaching at your coffee shop where you're a barista and be more effective there and more faithful than, than somebody who preaches to, to crowds of people like I'm doing. But you're doing it for Jesus' kingdom. You're investing faithfully. So it can look differently. So we don't put God in the box, but ultimately, ultimately he doesn't want us to hide it. And, 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 and maybe today you're realizing that, you know, the Holy Spirit's shaking you awake going, hey, there's an area, there's some abilities, there's some resources that you, you haven't even given much thought to. And I want, I want to wake you up. I want you to be wondering and thinking and praying about how to, how to invest this for my kingdom because I'm returning soon. I'm returning soon. And I, by, by the way, I think this is why a lot of us lose the joy of our salvation. We, we lose the joy of knowing Jesus because we're, we're, we're burying our talent, we're burying our, our wealth, our resources, our abilities. We're hiding it, we're playing it safe. We're afraid of risk. We're afraid of sacrifice. And then we lose our joy. And we wonder why there's no joy in knowing Jesus. We wonder why we're going through a dry spell because we're not investing. We're not living for the king and his kingdom. We're hoarding it. We're burying it. I, I, th- this is not based on statistics. This is not based on any study with Pew Research. This is based on my experience. So let me, let me say this. This is based on anecdotal evidence that I've had. But I've, I've yet to meet somebody who on one hand has a posture of, I don't want to tell people about Jesus because I'm afraid of being a Bible thumper. I don't want to look like that guy down at the boardwalk. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And if somebody was to ask me why I'm such a great person, then I'll tell them about Jesus. I've yet to meet somebody who takes that posture and also is super excited about their relationship with Jesus. I have yet to see that those two go together. It's usually I take that posture, I don't want to be like the guy in the boardwalk, and yet I'm also going through a really dry spell and dry season, and I don't know. I don't feel God's presence. Because we, what happened to the one-talent guy? Take, take, take from the guy who had one, right? What he had, he'll lose. You, you, try to, you try to hoard it. I'm not going to open my mouth. I'm not going to take risks. You lose the joy that you once had, I think. And maybe today the Holy Spirit's going to shake you up Wake you up. It's time. Start investing again in my kingdom. I'm returning. The master's returning. You want to be happy on that day. You want to be glad on that day. You want to, when, I, when, when I return, Jesus says, you're going to be so fulfilled and happy that you invested the way you did. Now, as we close, I want to give us one tangible way we can do this. It's not the only way. It's not the only way. But one tangible way we can do this is, is by giving our money to the Great Commission Fund of the Christian Missionary Alliance. That's the that's network of churches we're part of, the Christian Missionary Alliance. And there's an offering that we take at the end of every year. We're not taking it today, don't worry. We're going to take it on December 16th. It's an offering that goes to, entirely goes to, the funding of missionaries around the world, but primarily those who are in parts of the world that don't have access to hearing about Jesus. Like there's places in the world, like, like in South America, where... There's been enough missionary sent where everybody has, it, it, you know, they're, they're telling each other about Jesus. There's other parts in the world, they have no chance unless somebody from the outside goes. And this offering goes to funding and sending missionaries. It also goes to demonstrating the justice of the kingdom, which we talked about, providing food, providing relief aid effort where there's been uh, natural disasters, providing water wells, education, things like that. Last year we raised over 20 grand. My prayer is that we can raise over 30 grand this year when we take it on December 16th. Now look around, there's a small group of people. Can we do that with the other service and with the people online? Can we do that? Pray, pray and we can. Take a look at this video that explains it further. It's only two minutes long.
1: This Christmas, when you give a gift to the Alliance year-end offering, you're supporting workers around the world who are carrying the gospel message of Jesus and you're supporting God's unfinished mission. These are difficult times, we know it. But the church was sort of made for times like this. When it's most confusing and there's most opposition, God has always used people to be messengers of hope. And that's what our Alliance workers are around the world. Over the next couple of months, you're going to hear amazing stories from people like Rima, a Syrian woman who encountered the love of Christ in an amazing way. You'll hear other stories, frontline videos from workers. All of our material has gone digital, so even though we've sent some posters to your church, you can access all of that uh, online. These are uncertain times for us, but these are crucial times for the Gospel. This is a a once-in-a-generation moment for many around the world who will actually encounter Jesus for the first time because of faithful presence of our workers. So will you act in bold generosity and at this Christmas season ensure that everyone has an opportunity to hear?
0: My wife and I, last month, we sat on the porch and we we talked about what what can we put aside. Before, we had birthdays for our kids coming up. Before we, before we figure out what, what we're gonna spend on them, before we put money aside for Christmas gifts for our family to give them gifts that they don't really need. Before we do that, let's put money aside to, for this and then whatever's left over, we can give to those things instead of doing the opposite, right? That's the tendency, let's do the opposite. I wanna get nice Christmas gift, gifts for my, for my family. You know, because it's Christmas morning and it's a thing we do and it's fun and, you know. And then what's, what's left over we'll give to something like, like this. I want to challenge us to flip it because Jesus is returning. And what, you know, let's, let's imagine he came back on December 26th. <laughs> what, what are we going to be glad we put our money towards? couple new sweaters for our siblings and some family members that we barely ever see. But because they're getting us a gift, we're going to feel bad if we don't get them a gift too. So we add them to our list. Is that what Jesus is asking? I'm not saying anything wrong with that in itself. A few years ago, we were at a Christmas gathering. My in-laws' in-laws, right? We, we didn't think that we needed to buy something for them. We get to this gathering and they gave us a gift. And my wife came to me. She was like, quick, run out and get a bottle of wine for them. I'm like, okay. I ran and get wine, wrapped it, and came back, here, have Merry Christmas. Just to say, we didn't forget about you, but I mean, come on, that's the pathetic stuff we fall into, isn't it? Christmas time, you know, get your dad a sweater that says greatest grandpa or something. And it's like, that, those are nice and those are fun. But if Jesus returns, <laughs> I don't know. Getting the gospel out to people who don't hear it. Getting food to people who are going to bed hungry every night. Hope I didn't sound judgmental with our Christmas stuff. Do the Christmas thing. Have fun with it. But let's just make top priority that which Jesus wants to return on investment with. I'm gonna call the band up. We're gonna close with that song again that, that we sang before. This time, now that you heard it and now you're familiar with the lyrics, maybe we can sing it together. We go out singing together. And as we're singing it, here's what I wanna ask from you. Is there something in your life? Is there an area of your life Where Jesus might be tapping you on the shoulder saying, yeah, that, it's time to start using that for my kingdom. That ability, that skill set, that gifting of yours that I gave you, I want you to start using that for my kingdom. That resource, that home, that wealth, that ability to make money, I want you to start using it more for my kingdom. And all I'm going to do at the end of the song is ask you, is anybody that... Did God tap anybody on the shoulder? Not going not gonna to pass the mic around. Let's find out what it is just to see if there is anybody. So let's sing. Let's open ourselves up. See if he wants to tap any of us.